Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about working with business owners to show them how to use all the tools that they can have to make themselves and their businesses as successful and possible as possible. We're going to deviate just a little bit today because typically we talk about marketing, we talk about social media, we talk about tools like that, but we have so many listeners who are small business owners, who are solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, you know, people who don't have a plethora of staff um, that they can call on. And so this is so cool today because we're going to talk with somebody who's going to help business owners with that detailed information that, oh, gasp, and I'm, I know we, we don't want to think about. It's taxes, it's accounting, it's all of those things that, for most of us, we just cringe. Um, so that's why it's going to be so cool today because we're talking with an expert who's going to help us with a lot of the, the questions and problems that we might have. So please join me in welcoming Craig Smalley to the program. Welcome, Craig. Hey, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Great. Well, let me read folks your bio because, as I said, you're an expert and we need to let people know all of this information. Okay. So, Craig W. Smalley, MSTEA, has been in practice for almost 23 years. He has been admitted to practice before the Internal Revenue Service as an enrolled agent and has a master's in taxation. He is well versed in U.S. tax law and U.S. tax court cases. He specializes in taxation, entity structuring and restructuring corporations, partnerships, and individual taxation, as well as representation before the IRS regarding negotiations, audits, and appeals. In his many years of practice, Craig has been exposed to a variety of businesses and has an excellent knowledge of most industries. He is the CEO and co-founder of CWSEAPA, PLLC, and Tax Crisis Center, LLC, with both businesses having locations in Florida, Delaware, and Nevada. Craig is the current Google Small Business Accounting Advisor for the Google Small Business Community. See, I told you he was an expert. He is a contributor to Accounting Web and Accounting Today and has had 12 books published on various topics in taxation. His articles have been featured in the Chicago Tribune, New York Times, Yahoo Finance, NASDAQ, and several other newspapers, periodicals, and magazines. Craig has been interviewed and has been a featured guest on many radio shows and podcasts. Finally, he is the co-host of Tax Avoidance is Legal, which is a nationally broadcast weekly internet radio show. Whew. So yeah, that was a lot. Craig, that was a lot. I didn't realize that that was a mouthful like that. I mean, hearing it back, it's, it's something else. It's it's <laughs> the take a big breath type of bias. Yeah, yeah, but the, the cool thing is it really does show that you're an expert. And that's so very important in this arena because we all probably know enough to, you know, we all laugh and say, we know enough to be dangerous. Well, no, in this case, especially where the IRS and, and things like that are concerned, we know enough to get ourselves in trouble is probably the, the biggest thing. So that's why I really wanted to have you on today. Okay. Yeah. Is, uh, you know, we're, we're talking right after the first of the year. And so many people um, are small businesses. Mm -hmm. They're solopreneurs. They're um, entrepreneurs. And whether they have an office in their home or, you know, a small office somewhere, we, and, and I definitely put myself in that category, we don't always know what we're doing when it comes to running our small business. Because so many of us just went, oh, this sounds like fun. Let's start our own business. You know, and, and or circumstances forced us to, you know, exactly. we, we got laid off or things like that. So first, you know, let's talk about why it's so important to actually be a small business. And, and by that, I mean the incorporation, you know, all of those various things. Why is it that we shouldn't just say, oh, I'm going to do business as Deb Creer and people are going to write checks to me? Why is it so important that we become an actual entity? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, and this is something that, you know, I talk to small businesses all the time about when you start in business. I mean, it's very easy just to go in business, just like you said. Right. I mean, in most states, all you have to really do is go get an occupational license, which will be, you know, $30 and that will allow you to be in business. And that's all you have to do. And then mm -hmm. you open a bank account and people start writing you checks. Now, the, the downside to that is that 
you know, you're fully legally liable for anything that you do. I mean, even right. with insurance. So, you know, people will say, you know, well, I'll just do this. I'll, I'll, you know, get the business license and I'll get a million dollar liability policy to which I always retort. Well, you know, there's always, you know, something that what if it goes over a million, you know, right. so yeah. and, and poof, there exactly, goes exactly. So, you know, it, it's very common for people to do that. And when I meet with them, I always tell them, you know, it, it's, you know, why don't we form an LLC or a corporation and, you know, protect you legally? So, you know, basically when you form a corporation or an LLC and, uh, you know, the business gets sued, it only gets sued for the assets that the business holds. So, right. you know, and you Usually the assets or the cash in the bank, maybe a little bit of equipment or whatever it is. But mm -hmm. um, those are the only assets at risk if you ever get sued. And then mm -hmm. when it comes to taxation, if you remain a sole proprietorship, which is somebody that's unincorporated, the taxes are insane. I mean, you have to pay an additional tax, um, you know, in, you know, in addition to income tax. So for instance, let's just say, and I, I like to use round numbers because it's the math is it's easier. Easy, yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, let's say you're in the 15% tax bracket, right? And mm -hmm. you, uh, you make $10,000 as a sole proprietorship. Well, you're going to have to pay 30.3% in taxes on that. Oh, yeah. More than double. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. Because you've got to pay something called self-employment tax, which is 15.3% in addition okay. to the 15% in tax. So that's 30.3%. Wow. And then you can go up the, the gamut from there to the 25%, 31%, 33%, 39.6%. At some point you could be paying more than double um, you know, you could be paying 50, 60% in taxes. Very simple. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So when you form a corporation, you avoid that self-employment tax at 15.3%. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a very simple thing that you can do in most states. Um, you can, you know, form a corporation yourself, you know, and then mm -hmm. you go get an EIN number from the IRS and, and right. all of that. And, you know, and then, you know, you have to make a certain tax election and that's probably when you need to see uh, an accountant to, to make right. that election. But, you mm -hmm. know, it's something that's very, very simple that people can do and it saves a ton in taxes. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and it's funny because my business is actually called Wise Women Communications and it is an LLC. Yes. Um, I formed it many years ago. Ooh, holy cow. I might be coming up on my 15 year anniversary. Oh, wow. I look that up. Well, congratulations. Um, and Thank you. And, and, you know, when I formed it, that was, you know, we, we had the internet, Al Gore had invented it, <laughs> uh -huh. um, but you didn't do a lot of stuff online. And yeah. so, you know, I, I actually was working for attorneys at that point doing something else. And so that was a very good place for me to be because I had talked with them about this and, and they said, okay, you go down, you go to the secretary of state. So, you know, I, I had very good advice to start with, but, you know, I go trotting down to the secretary of state's office in Colorado took my little number, you know, because it was next calling number, whoever. Mm. And I go up and, and I believe it was $60. It might've even been less than that. And I filled out my one page of paperwork. I mean, it was, you know, and, and because I was going to be a sole proprietor, I didn't need articles of incorporation and board of directors, you know, all of those various things that, that somebody else might. But I remember it was so funny because they handed me a receipt that is literally a two by three inch piece of paper. And that's what told me I was incorporated. I was expecting bells and whistles. I mean, I thought that we should have had, you know, big ta-da. But that really was it. Yeah. And then, of course, every year I have to maintain that that uh, LLC, that corporation. Um, and, and now it's really cheap because you do it online. And, of course, they prefer that you do that because it's easier for them. Exactly. And, and so it's... Five, ten dollars a year. I mean, it's not much. Um, and you know, and I think that's one of the things that business owners, especially when you're just starting out, you're thinking, "Oh my gosh, it's a lot of money." Now, it does vary from state to state, so you know, that's that's kind of the 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 thing that people need to keep in mind as to what that fee is. But you know, it it really was not a difficult process. You know, I didn't have to give away my firstborn. You know, or all of those things. So, you know, I think that's probably one of the, the keys to this discussion is that it's easy, folks. Go do it. Exactly. And, you know, when I meet with small businesses, you know, we have offices in Florida, Nevada and uh, Delaware. And the reason mm -hmm. the reason for the offices in Nevada and Delaware are people like to form corporations in Nevada and right. Delaware. So yes, there's less taxes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, there's less taxes. There's privacy concerns. There's 
all kinds of things. There's, you know, if somebody files a lawsuit and, and you're in Delaware, they have to file it in the, in the Delaware court system, which is favorable to small businesses. So, you know, it really, you know, where you incorporate and how you incorporate is something that, you know, you should really talk to somebody about, you know, that, that, that knows, you know, because, you know, you could have a small business and everybody starts off um, very small. They, they do. And, you know, when every time I meet with a uh, company, I always want to know what the five-year plan is. So where are we in Mm -hmm. five years? Where are we Mm -hmm. next year? You know, is privacy a concern to you? Is it, are you in a very, uh, you know, litigious business? I mean, you know, what is it, Mm -hmm. you know? So, um, and we find out and then we, we come up with where we're going to incorporate, how we're going to pay, pay taxes and, and things like that. But doing that in the beginning is, is easier right. than going mm-hmm. a year down the road and then going, oh, my gosh, I've got to do this and then having to mm-hmm. change everything. So mm-hmm. it's just so much easier to do it in the beginning. Right. You know, and, and, and it is a simple process, you know, and, and for it, for people, you know, it's pretty easy. Go to your uh, Secretary of State's website and just research it because there are different levels and, and things. And it's funny. I remember people told me initially that I should register as a woman-owned business. Yeah, for grants and, and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I chose not to, uh, but, but I am. I'm 100% woman-owned. I'm just not registered as one. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's there's uh, a lot of minority business classifications, all these various things. And depending on who your customer is, that can really make a huge difference because exactly. they might be mandated that they work with a certain percentage or it just might be their policy to, to work with that. Exactly. Yeah. So if you're, you know, if you're a minority business, you want to do business with the government or something like that, mm-hmm. then, yeah, register as a minority business, as a woman-owned business, and you go to the front of the line when they're giving out um you know, contracts and stuff. So right. yeah, yeah, that's very important. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and there's other ways I remember. So, you know, this back when I was in Colorado, I could have gotten a woman owned certification from the, the chamber exactly. that was out there. Exactly. It was a complicated process and it was very expensive. And they've actually, I think they may have dropped that or, or at least redone it because I remember I, I didn't do it because it was very expensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was close to a thousand dollars. And at that point I was, you know, not, not, I didn't have that much that I could put out there, but they also wanted to come and visit my office yeah. to make sure. And now, I mean, I understood why they wanted to make sure that I could do what I said I could do. Exactly. But I told him, I said, you know, I can go to any Kinko's and do what I need to do. You know, I just need a computer. And, um, you know, and, and, and I just thought it was a little bit too intrusive. But I did understand why they wanted to do it. Um, because they their name was on there as being the certifier. So they needed to make sure that... that that happened, but are, are there still programs like that out there? Where, oh yeah, uh, absolutely. Whoever will certify. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, you know, most States, most counties, most, you know, whoever you're going to do business with, if, and typically it's for government contracts, it's what right. people will do it. So if you're going to do business with the County, you got to get certified by the County. You're going to mm-hmm. do it with the city. You got to get certified by the city. If you do it with the state, you got to be certified by the state or the, or the federal government. You have to be um, mm-hmm. certified by the federal government, but yeah. Um, you know, in the, cost of doing it is, you know, it's, it's, you know, you said about a thousand dollars, that sounds about right. But if you sit and think about the money, oh, if it got could, me one contract exactly, that made 10,000, exactly. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's just a cost of doing business, but yeah, mm-hmm. those, those things are still around. They're still popular They're You know, people are applying for them all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and right. If you are doing business with those entities, it definitely, you know, is, is so beneficial to do that. And, you know, some States, I remember it used to be, and, and I don't live in Colorado any longer, but you could self-certify yes. when you applied for contracts. And, and so they were taking your word for it, but you know, again, that was many years ago and, you know, and, and it, and it varies from state to state. So make sure, hello, if you're a business owner out there, make sure you've checked out all those rules. You're back. I am back. Yeah, I have no we, idea. We had a big, we had a big gap in there, but that's all right. It kept recording that whole time, so I don't even have to start it again. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yay! So let's see. Let me just make a note that at the twenty-four mark. Okay, um, okay. So, <clears throat> so you know, you just need to make sure that you are checking into everything before you start applying for those contracts and, and talking with those folks. Exactly. And talk to a professional. I mean, they know this stuff. They know what you need. They know how to, how to get it done. You know, anybody that's been in practice for, you know, a long period of time has dealt with government contracts and things like mm-hmm. that. So they, they know what they're doing. Right. 
you know, and, and you mentioned talk with a professional and that is, you know, that that's why you are on today is, you know, yes, we can, we can do our own research. We can look on the internet and yeah, yeah, yeah. but when it comes down to your business, folks, take the hour, you know, take the two hours, talk with a CPA, talk with an attorney and get everything set up correctly. Again, it's a, it, it's not going to be cheap. I mean, you know, it depends, you know, that the person might be your brother-in-law, whatever, but you know, it, it is a cost of doing business that you want to make sure you have set up correctly to start with. Exactly. And most accountants, I know that, that I do, and I have for 23 years, I always offer a free consultation. I mean, cool. you know, it's, and I think most um, accountants are the same. Now, attorneys are a little bit different. They, right. they make charge for a consultation, but I know accountants are usually free. Mm-hmm. Well, and you're probably talking an hour's worth of time. Exactly. I mean, this is, this is not all that complicated. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It. Right. You know, and, and again, it's so important to do this when you're starting out because, you know, as, as many of us, you know, started, it could have been one of these where it was a hobby Exactly. where, uh, you know, people just started paying us to do some stuff, you know, all these various things. And, and then we really thought, oh, hey, this could be a business. Um, I, when I was back in Colorado over Thanksgiving, was talking with my nephew and I was so proud of him because he's in his 20s and he is, it was in the process of incorporating his business. It had been one of those things where people, where they had said, hey, can you come and do some drywall? Can you come and do some painting? And, you know, they were his friends. So he did that. Well, then they started saying, hey, can we pay you to do that? And it didn't take him very long before, smart boy, he figured out liability, exactly. of course, especially for some of those projects. Exactly. You know, those, those were major. But he also knew just how important it was to uh, to incorporate and to, to do all of that. And more than anything... I remember when I decided to incorporate, uh, someone told me, they said, now you are a real business <laughs> and you're showing people that you're a real business and not that you're just playing at exactly. it. Exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, when you put the LLC after your name or corporation mm-hmm. or Inc, people take you seriously at that point. Mm-hmm. Right. And when you have that corporation name. Exactly. Exactly. Let's, let's talk names because that can also be a problem that people get into. Um, you know, we all, you know, you, you might think, Hey, I've got a cool name and, and we're not talking your personal name. We'll talk a a little bit about that in a sec, but maybe you do, you know, big house drywall Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just totally making that up. Um, but then you discover after you've been doing business, oops, there is a bigger big house drywall and you get this little thing called cease and desist. So why is it so important to have a unique business name. You know, I always tell people when they're forming their corporation to use something generic, like, um, you know, so for instance, if I was forming a corporation, let's just say for conversation's sake, I would name it Smalley Enterprises LLC. And then I could do business as anything I want to do business as. So I could do business right. as Big House Drywall. So I could go buy mm-hmm. Big House Drywall, but I'm actually Smalley Enterprises LLC. And the reason for that is let's say that I'm doing drywall today, but Five years down the road, I decide I want to do IT or something. I can right. still use the same company and just file mm-hmm. another fictitious name with the state saying that mm-hmm. I'm doing business as something else. And that's usually the best way to do it. So if you have a unique name that's that's particular to the type of business that you're doing, don't use that as your company name. Use something generic as your company name and then do business as anything else. Because right. also when that cease and desist comes from, uh, you know, somebody, you know, a bigger company or something like that, you don't then have to dissolve your company and, mm-hmm. um, you know, start a new one. You just stop doing business as that name and go do business as something else. It's, it's right. a very simple process. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I'm looking on your website and you have several other entities that you do business as. And, and, um, and I love that because it allows you to differentiate. You've exactly. got tax crisis center, estate tax expert, you know, and, and several more. <clears throat> and it does allow you to then have those specialty areas. Exactly. And, and it's, and it also separates liability. So, you know, mm-hmm. let's say that, um, just for conversation's sake, 
one of my businesses doesn't do well, well, if I was grouping it in with my um, my main business, and let's say I had to file for bankruptcy, let's say something like mm-hmm. that happened, or somebody sued that entity, they only can only go after the assets of that business, or if I have to mm-hmm. dissolve that company, I dissolve it, I get rid of it, and it has nothing to do with the other company. So right. it's very important that if you're going to do more than one thing to, and I, I tell clients this all the time, sometimes they take the advice, sometimes they don't, because you know, it's a whole process of, you know, forming a corporation, another mm-hmm. one. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you want to diversify, you want to um, mitigate your your liability. And the way to do mm-hmm. that is to separate things. And that's why there's right. so many different entities that we have. And, you mm-hmm. know, anytime you start a new business, you don't want to run it under the same business. You want to, you know, form that into its own LLC or a corporation and, and, and run it that way because you don't mm-hmm. want to intermingle money like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and, you know, and, and we all know big companies that do that. I mean, you know, that the, the gigantic Fortune oh, yeah. 500 type of companies. Yeah. And, and part of that is because they've acquired those companies. Exactly. And so they still do business as those. But but it does work for the one person shop or the two person, exactly. you know, the, the small businesses. You know, back to, say, my nephew. You know, good example might be if he's going to do a lot of different handyman things. He could have one company that was named Drywall something. One that's a plumbing specific company, exactly. one that's a paint specific, all under the umbrella of him. But, you know, then he's he's really limited that liability even further. Exactly. You know, in the bigger companies, they use holding companies and things like that. And they hold the different, you know, most most entrepreneurs and, and small business owners aren't going to get to that point. But, you know, if you start having, you know, three or four separate entities, then maybe you want to start a holding company and make things easier on yourself and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, do things that way. But, you know, until that point, it's, it's very, it's, it's extremely important to, to separate your liability. Also, a new business that you start may require a special license and you don't want, right. you know, the company, mm-hmm. let's say you have a company and it's making $200,000 a year. You don't want to do anything to upset the Apple cart. So mm-hmm. you would start another company and let's say you have to get a license for that company. What you've done again is you've separated your liability. You've also separated your taxes. You, you've done you know so many different things that it's sort of complicated to do it, but it's the best way. It's the, it's the best advice that anybody can give you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, say you've started out as, you know, a business and then you want to become a holding company. How do you do that? Oh, it's relatively simple. So basically, um, there are two ways to view a holding company. So, for instance, our main company is a holding company and our main company is CWS, EAPA, um, PLLC. And what it does basically is it holds the different uh, other companies. So it owns all the assets It um, you know, everything. And what it does is it distributes money to the different, you know, companies. That's one way to do it. A traditional holding company is just a company that holds assets and, um, you know, holds all your different, um, you know, uh, companies. And, and, you know, it's the one that, you know, if anybody were to ever sue, they would sue the holding company because that's the company that has the assets. But, you know, the rest of them just, you know, they go on and they, they operate businesses. But it's it's not hard to separate that because typically um, by the time somebody has separated everything, they're ready for a holding company. They already have a main company that's sort of acting like a holding right. company. So you just make that the holding company and be done with it. Okay. Cool, cool. And again, you know, it's it's one of those things that somebody probably needs to get professional oh, uh, yeah. guidance. Yeah, yeah, on. yeah. Don't try that mm-hmm. one yourself. Please don't. Right. Yeah, that's that's right. something where you really need to get professional advice. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and, and again, that's to limit the liability exactly. and, and all of those things. Exactly. So great. Yeah. Great. Cool. Well, okay, so we've we've started this business. We've we've done, you know, we've done the things we're a sole proprietor, we're an S Corp, we're an LLC, we're, you know, whatever is the appropriate designation for what you're doing. And then we're ready to start doing business. And and I remember one of the best pieces of advice that I got was, and I you know it was a, a business consultant. He told me, and and I you know and and it's one of those kind of duh things to me, but he said, open my bank account in a totally different 
bank than my personal accounts. He said, because then it makes it really hard to intermingle those funds. Is that, I mean, was that good advice? Is that yeah. still good advice? Or is that just, you know, hey, this is a fun thing to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because once you've started a corporation or an LLC, you have to operate like any other LLC or corporation. Right. So if you stop and think about this for a minute, you have, let's just say you have a big company like AT&T. I'm just going to use them. Um, Right. For instance, so um, you have to operate just like that company operates. So the owners of AT&T don't, don't go and transfer money from one account to another. They don't do that, mm -hmm. right? So what they do is they, you know, uh, you know, they take salaries out of there and they withhold taxes or they take distributions. But it's very easy if you're at the same bank to just transfer money and transfer money and transfer money. And once you start operating like an LLC isn't supposed to operate, then a very good lawyer can do something called piercing the corporate veil, which means ah. that they can say, wait a minute, this company is nothing more than a shame. They're not operating it correctly. So they're going to come directly for your assets and not the company's assets anymore. So, yeah, that was really good, good advice because it, it mm -hmm. does make it hard to intermingle money. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and and whether, you know, it, it obviously it does make it hard because you can't just transfer back and forth. But it, it also makes it easier when I, you know, I'm, I'm not accidentally depositing money in the wrong account, exactly. you know, or, or all of those. Exactly. Things. Yeah. Cause we're human, you know, and we, we make mm -hmm. mistakes. So we'll sometimes right. you just grab the wrong deposit slip. I exactly. Mean, yeah. That easy. yeah. 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 Because you know, sometimes people will write a check um, in my name or they'll write it to the company. And usually all of those checks are supposed to go to the company. But every once in a while, when my assistant is sorting the deposit, she will accidentally, you know, deposit a check, you know, that a client made out to me in my personal, in my personal mm -hmm. bank. So yeah, 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 you have to, you have to be very, you know, careful about that because we are human, things like that happen. Mm -hmm. And if you're in the mindset that all of these uh, business checks just go to another bank, then you'll always, you know, it's, it's very hard at that point to say that, um, you know, you accidentally deposited the money in the wrong account. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, one of the things you mentioned when we're first setting up a business, and I have one, so I know what it is, but let's explain it for other folks, is the EIN. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's basically um, the way that the Internal Revenue Service recognizes your company is by your EIN. So mm -hmm. it's the same um, It's the same sequence. It's, just, it's seven numbers, just like your, uh, your Social Security number. So it's... Um, but, uh, you know, you have to, once you start a business, you have to go to the, I, to the IRS website and you apply for an EIN and you get it immediately. So, oh, I know it's so exactly. Easy. Yeah. Now I come from 23 years ago where you actually had to apply for it, got it, you know, six to eight weeks later. And right. yeah, today it's very simple. You just go mm -hmm. and apply and you can apply between seven o'clock in the morning, Eastern time to seven o'clock at night, Eastern time. So it's, you know, it's, and we, but you can only apply during those hours. You can't apply mm -hmm. after those hours. So yeah, it's a very simple thing to do. Well, and then the nice thing is when you're filling out the variety of forms that may be needed during the, the, the time you're doing business, you're using that identification exactly. number as opposed to your personal social security exactly, number. Exactly, because if you're a sole proprietorship, you're not required to get an employer identification right. number. So what you would do is you would use your social security number. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like giving that number out unless no. I absolutely have to. Right, so right. what's the worst? So you use your EIN number. You know, there's, I'm just going to be honest with people. There's, there's a, 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 credit rating company out there and I'm not going to say the name, but there's a credit rating company out there that will say, you know, um, the, you pay them a fee and you can be part of their business credit rating thing. Nobody is going to give a business credit, you know, based on, um, an EIN number. So, you know, worst comes to worst, you give somebody your EIN number, what are they going to use it for? They can't use it for anything except right. for mm -hmm. actually filing taxes. And, mm -hmm. you know, somebody would really have to, you know, have a vendetta against you if they're going to file, you know, taxes under that name, under that EIN mm -hmm. number, but mm -hmm. it's not used for credit or anything else. Right. Right. And, you know, and, and we hear about people's identities being stolen all the time. Yes. So, you know, the, the less you can put that that true personal information out there, the better it is. Exactly. Now, I, I do want to say something that, you know, for the last uh, few years, I want to say about 10 years is the first time I encountered it. Um, the IRS has been dealing um, 
with a lot of identity theft. So what a lot of people, what what's happening is, uh, you know, people will steal people's social security numbers. They'll file um, fraudulent tax returns with inflated uh, withholdings so they can get a large refund. Now, mm-hmm. the IRS has been cracking down on that for the last, you know, two or three years. And this year, um, you know, your listeners should know that your refunds will be delayed. And the reason for that is we can start e-filing um, here in a couple of weeks on the 23rd of January. That's when mm-hmm. we can start e-filing. But um, information returns aren't due to the IRS until the 31st of January. And also right. um, the, you know, 1099s aren't until the, the 28th of February. So mm-hmm. if you're filing a return, the IRS is going to wait to uh, to make sure that your W-2 or your 1099 is in the system so they can mm-hmm. check your withholding and all of that before they issue hey, a refund. So, makes sense. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so this year they put out a big, you know, um, you know, they made it made it very, you know, it was public everywhere that refunds will be delayed. So, you know, it used to be a time where, you know, we would e-file and we knew. Oh, you had it like the next exactly, day. Exactly. Yeah. So we knew what the drain schedule was and they would always mm-hmm. drain on a Thursday. And if they drained on a Thursday, you would get the refund if you directly deposited the next Friday. That's no longer true. There's no there's no way that anybody can tell you when you'll get your refund. So right. you just have to be patient this year because mm-hmm. this is a trial that they're that they, you know, the IRS is trying out. So. Um, unfortunately, we're all guinea pigs in this, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah, just just know that your refund will be delayed. Right. You know, and, and that's very important for people who have been used to getting it and then <clears throat> spending it or or needing it financially exactly. right away. You know, exactly. just just plan on it taking longer. And, you know, and, and the cool thing is once it's in their system, you can double check by, you know, as to, to what the status is. And, and, and their systems are updated pretty quickly. Anyhow, they, they used to be. You know, we all laugh about the, the government. But, you know, it's it, it really is a, a process that works pretty well. Yeah, especially now with e-file, you know, W. W2s and 1099s are pretty much e-filed now. So it's, it's mm-hmm. you know, within a matter of a couple of days or in the system. So it's not like we have to wait eight to 10 weeks anymore. You know, it's, it's, it's a right. fairly simple system. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, let's talk about something that you've mentioned several times, and that's a 1099. When are those used? Uh, 1099s are used for various uh, things. They're usually used for miscellaneous income. So if you have a pension or retirement, you'll get a 1099R. If you took money out of a retirement plan or, you know, 401k or an IRA, you'll get a 1099. If you're self-employed, you usually get a 1099 miscellaneous um, mm-hmm. You know, if you work for a company, though, and that'll show, uh, you know, how much money you earn. If you accept credit cards, you'll get a 1099K, which is a uh, a form that tells you how much, uh, you know, um, you received in uh, credit card income. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's just used for miscellaneous income. Right. I always laugh every year, you know, and, and it happens every year and has ever since I started my business. People assume that because my company is just me. That it is just me and that I haven't incorporated and, and all of those things. And so they always want my information so they can, can 1099 me. Exactly. And and I tell them, no, no, I'm a limited liability corporation. Um, you know, and, and I say, would you send a 1099 to Office Depot? And they go, well, no. I say, well, you know, you don't have to for me. Exactly. I'm a corporation. Do. Right. And you know why? Because accountants, mm-hmm. accountants charge to to run those 1099s. Right. So right. a lot of... A lot of unscrupulous accountants will run the 1099s for corporations Mm -hmm. and LLC just to get a fee, but sometimes that's why that happens. Well, and and I know sometimes too they're also wanting to cover their bases, you know, because and you know and 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 that's why they they have you know that's what they've always told me is they've said oh well you know I just thought you were you know in business for yourself and I say well I am but I am a business exactly and so I go ahead I fill out the forms and you know and then I if they send me a 1099 I just I put it in my folder with everything else that goes to my accountant and and then she laughs every time and I say I know I know exactly but but it's now I 1099 people because I have subcontractors and some of them aren't incorporated and so i always have to make sure now is it 
and and I haven't done it for a while. Is it still the six hundred dollar amount? If if I yeah. have paid them six hundred or more, then I have to send them a ten ninety nine. Yeah, any anybody that's a sole proprietorship, if you pay them six hundred dollars or more, you have to send them a ten ninety nine. If you okay. paid a lawyer, you have to send them a ten ninety nine. Oh. If you pay somebody rent, like a landlord, you have to send them mm-hmm. a ten ninety nine. So yeah, those are the three people that you have to send ten ninety nine to. Okay, interesting, interesting. Um, you know, that brings us to another topic here. And that is, you know, if you are a small business owner who is home based, there are so many things that we can be deducting and keeping track of on, on IRS. And, and we were talking about this before the program started, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's not a lot that I'm afraid of, but the IRS is one of them. You know, you, you, it's, it's like the, the commercial said, Oh, and I feel bad. Alan Thicke died. I always liked his commercials because he would say, don't mess with the IRS. Um, and he's right. You know, that is the, the one entity. I mean, you know, there's a reason Al Capone finally got arrested. Um, but you know, because the IRS really does have a lot of authority to, to do things. But so then we all think, oh, well, we can't deduct that. And, and you know, it's back to what we started at the very start of this conversation. We know enough to, to be in trouble. And and I'm not meaning that in a bad way now. I'm meaning that as, in a way that we're not knowledgeable. So, you know, I am a home-based business, I, I and I really am a home-based business, what and and I you know in in general because you and I have not met we've not discussed this so you know I I and I understand you're not giving me advice yeah <laughs> um but in general what are some things that that I or any home based business could be keeping track of you know it's funny you know you hit the nail on the head and I always tell clients and I kind of joke with them you know because you know we see so many IRS notices or I do anyway because I deal with a lot of people that are in collections or whatever but I see a lot of IRS notices so I've sort of gotten desensitized to them but you know I'm not stupid enough to realize that most people see an IRS notice and you know getting one is like you know a correlation of of having a heart attack I get it you Uh know Uh Um, I understand that completely but you know if you're a home-based business, I'm going to let you know something that, you know, one deduction that a lot of people will like to take is, you know, the home office deduction. Right. So mm-hmm. if you uh, if you rent your home, then that's very simple. What you would do is as long as you use an area exclusively for business. Now, let me explain that. Um, yes, exclusive. Exclusive. And there is tax court case after tax court case about this. Exclusive area uh, would not be your living room where you sit with your laptop and watch TV as you work. That's not an exclusive area. But if you have like a home office where you actually sit there and you do your work or whatever it is you do, then you can deduct that. And what you do is you take the percentage of the square footage that you're using. And if you rent, it's very simple. It's it's, uh, whatever that percentage is of your rent, your utilities, your, um, you know, if you have a dedicated phone line, obviously that would be deductible. It would be, you know, a portion of your water bill, you know, things like that, that that you could Mm -hmm. deduct. Now, if you own your home, it becomes a little complicated. And let me explain explain. Um, I am not a proponent of the home office deduction if you own your property. And let me explain why. If you own your property, what you're doing basically is you're converting your home to some to business use. Okay. And you mm-hmm. take that percentage now and you uh, depreciate it, okay? So now it's become business property, okay? If you if you live in your home, and let's forget about the home office for a minute. If you live in your home and you've lived there uh, two of the last five years and you sell your home and you're single and you make less than $250,000 or if you're married and you make less than $500,000, it's a completely tax-free exchange. You don't have to pay taxes mm-hmm. on that. The problem is now that if you're a home office and you You've depreciated your um, a, a portion of your home and it's become business property. Well, when you sell it, that percentage is now subject to capital gains tax and ah. you also have to carry back the depreciation. So the deduction that you get for it today doesn't outweigh the taxes that you'll pay on it tomorrow. Now, in 2013, what the IRS did was they recognized this, okay, which was kind of nice, mm-hmm. okay? They recognized that tax professionals or, or you know, the, the more savvy tax professionals weren't taking this deduction. So what they did was they came up with an alternative um, way of doing this. So um, to them, the most that you can deduct, let's say you own your home, it's, it, you can take 
um, 300 square feet and you get $500 per square foot. So mm-hmm. you can deduct up to $1,500 without having to um, depreciate the property oh, okay. any of that. So your home office deduction would be $1,500. And then you could mm-hmm. still deduct the portion of the utilities, the water, the, you know, the internet, the, you know, the mm-hmm. whole thing, you know, and I know a lot of people are, you know, they have a dedicated cell phone. It may be mm-hmm. uh, part of a family plan or something like that, but you know, you can deduct your phone bill, you can deduct, you know, the internet. And I know that that's usually, you know, grouped with your cable, but that doesn't mm-hmm. matter. You can still deduct it. You know, if you have people coming over to your house, you know, you could, you know, stop and think about, well, if you have a lawn service, you can deduct a portion of that. Cause obviously, wow. yeah, you don't want people, you want it to look exactly. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if people are coming in and out of your house, you know, if you have a, uh, you know, a maid service or whatever, you can deduct that you can, there's all kinds of things you can deduct, but that's only if people are coming in and out of your house uh, right. a lot, but you know, people aren't, mm-hmm. but yeah, there's, there's all kinds of deductions that people do miss. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and again, this is why that is so very important to be working with a professional Exactly. because it's, it's percentages, you know, and, and, and again, we don't want to cross the IRS. So, you know, some things you, you aren't going to be able to deduct a hundred percent. And, and so you need to make sure that you're deducting the appropriate amount. Exactly. And with the home office deduction, the reason why there's so many tax court cases about this is that the IRS, um, when they're going through, um, you know, returns are audited, you know, based upon a diff score, um, mm-hmm. which is a differential basically that's updated every few years. And one of the things the IRS always hits on is a home office deduction. So right. what has happened, how a uh, case gets the tax court is it went through audit. Um, the auditor didn't let it go through. It went through appeals. The appeals person didn't, didn't let it go through and it went to tax court. So the reason why there's so many of, of them about the home office is this is an area that the IRS really hits on. So you really need mm-hmm. a professional that knows about this. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, it's, it's very common, easy, mm, you know, one of those words that people is and started saying that they were home officing because so many people might have a full-time job and then they were doing something else on the weekends, on the evenings. Um, you know, I know that back, you know, 10 years ago, uh, you know, many people I knew started uh, doing real estate and mortgages and, and things like that because that was a big market at that point yes. in time. And, and so, you know, they were using their kitchen table, you know, and, and, or maybe they did have a dedicated space, but, were they really operating as a business? Mm, you know, that was what was questionable. And so that's probably, you know, one of the reasons why the IRS said, you know what, we need to, to check into this more closely. Exactly. And, you know, the home office would even work if you were an employee of somebody. Let's say you're an right. employee. Mm-hmm. And oh, because so many exactly. people home office yeah, now. So they commute. Exactly. So you, they tele-commute. you telecommute for three days. You go into the office two days. The home office deduction still works in that, you know, because you're still using it as long ah. as it's dedicated and all of that is just the way that you deduct it. You would, you know, mm-hmm. instead of deducting it, you know, as a business, you would deduct it on Schedule A with itemized deductions and things like that. So you can still do that. Right. You know, and, and of course, we all want to do everything as easy as we can, and, and which is why TurboTax and programs like that are so popular because we, you know, you can just sit down and, and, you know, back when I was in my single days, I mean, I could do my taxes just, you know, it took me, you know, and I e-filed and they were gone and, and, but now things are much more complicated. And so that really is why it probably, you know, eh, so you pay somebody $500 to do your taxes. Well, if it got you back another 2000 in deduction or in, in, you know, uh, from the IRS, it was definitely worth it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I've never used TurboTax. We use professional software, but right. um, from from my understanding, TurboTax asks you questions, you give them the answer, sort of like, yes. and they sort of tout it like, you know, this is like an accountant asking you questions. But the mm-hmm. problem is the, the computer can never differentiate. So right. if you give the wrong answer, the computer's going to fill out the wrong form. So, right. you know, an accountant, uh, an actual person doing that, and listen, I'm all for automation on a lot of things, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, but when you're doing your, you know, if you give an accountant the wrong answer, then they can ask follow-up questions, you know? Mm-hmm. So right. um, it's not always, you know, when it comes to taxes, it's not always, you know, black and white. There's a gray mm-hmm. area there. 
Well, and of course, with the, the do-it-yourself programs, there is a limit to what they ask. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, are you self-employed? Yes. Well, you know, and then it just asks you these questions and, mm -hmm. you know, there's there's a lot of things they leave out. So, yeah. Right. And and then, of course, there is that, you know, that, that term that really just strikes fear into everybody. And that is the word audit. Yeah. You know, and, and if you've done it yourself you could be in serious trouble. If you have gone to a reputable CPA, you know, and, and, you know, or whoever is, is preparing your taxes for you, they should, you know, and, and, you know, they, they should be there with you, <laughs> you exactly. know, in that audit process. Exactly. And, and plus they've double checked it. They've gone through everything. And, and so it's, you know, it, it hopefully is a much less painful process. Exactly. Our second company tax crisis center, that's what it does is it represents mm -hmm. um, taxpayers all the way up to uh, the United States tax court. So, um, I do want to caution everybody that not every accountant or every CPA enrolled agent or whatever, uh, specializes in representation. So mm -hmm. you want to find somebody that does that. So, I mean, I think we do probably about, I don't know, $600 a year or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And um, you want somebody that does, you know, a lot of them because, you right. know, there's a lot of rights that you have that are attached to an audit. A lot of people don't realize you have rights. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and that's what your representative is doing. But, you know, you mentioned something funny. I would never take a client with me to an audit. And the reason why is, you might say something that you shouldn't yeah. say. Uh, yeah, so right. I don't know any different because I'm not personally involved in your business. So mm -hmm, I would mm -hmm. never, you know, and plus I know what to say and what not to say. So, right. so yeah, I've, I've never, I would never take a client with mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. Now you, you mentioned that that is something that your business does. Yeah. Do you do it for all 50 states? Oh yeah. I have a federal okay. license. Okay. I have a federal license. Okay. So I can practice in all 50 states, and all the cool. U S territories. Okay, great. You know, because I knew that you had offices only in three states, so I didn't know if that limited you to, no. to just those. No, okay, no, great. The only reason why we have them in those other two states is because, um, number one, there's a demand there, and number two, people right. like to form corporations in those states. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great. Now, one of the other deductions that is one of my favorite deductions, and that is partially because of the type of business that I am, is mileage. So talk to us about why we should keep track of our mileage. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you a story. Um, I write uh, articles for uh, Accounting Web and Accounting Today, which are uh, accounting trade magazines. And mm -hmm. Accounting Web gave me a very interesting assignment. They wanted me to, um, it's very popular today to pay people as independent contractors who should actually be employees. So they gave me this assignment. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they gave me this assignment to write an article about that. So, you know, what I did was, you know, I got lost on the internet doing research on this and I found out that um, Uber drivers are suing um, Uber saying that they're employees, right? And oh, and mm -hmm. my really good friend was an Uber driver and I was like, you know, it's pretty simple to become one of those. So I became an Uber driver, uh, mm -hmm. you know, to write this article to see if I was right. ever, you know, claimed as an employee. So what I did though before that was I went on my smartphone and I simply downloaded a mileage tracker, okay? So mm -hmm. I, uh, you know, before I start um, a drive or before I go out for a day, I simply start that mileage tracker and it tracks everywhere I go. So let me tell mm -hmm. you, Deb, my, uh, the income that I've earned from Uber, the mileage is so much that the income mm -hmm. that I've earned from Uber is completely tax-free because the mileage limit that the IRS has given me completely wipes out the earnings that I've made. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and that's something that that's very simple that you can do, you know, back a long time ago before smartphones, you had to actually have a mileage log, right? Your beginning mm -hmm. mileage your ending mileage, how many right. miles mm -hmm. you drove, you know, and all of that. Mm -hmm. Today it's simply downloading an app. And when you go do something for business, track your mileage. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. And then right. it, you know, mine exports out to a file that I can save in Dropbox or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you can give that to your accountant and boom, there's your mileage. Cause that's a huge mm -hmm. deduction, you know? Right. And then, and, and folks, we're talking possibly thousands of dollars. I yeah, mean, I've but, gotten back as much as $5,000 because I drive a lot specifically for business. Exactly. So going back to Uber, I probably did, um, when I, when I was doing it, I probably did about 250, maybe 300 rides made about $2,000. That com that $2,000 is completely tax free because of the mileage deduction. Mm-hmm. Right. 
you know, and, and it changes every year. And, 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 you know, so you always double check those things. Exactly. You're so figuring it yourself. But again, your, your accountant or your CPA should be doing that for you. You know, they, they know that amount. It's not like you have to say, oh, remember, it's 52 cents. Yeah. So in, in 2016, it's 55.5 cents. Uh, Holy cow. Uh, per mile. Right. In 2017, mm-hmm. it goes down to 54 cents a mile. Oh, that's interesting that it's going down. Well, because the gas prices have gone down. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So cool. You know, and, and again, it's it's something to keep track of. And, and I have to admit, I'm old school on that um, because I do manually keep track of it. And, you know, and, and but, it, it, you know, it's a fairly simple process. I do it on an Excel spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I now I keep a very detailed calendar. So that's where that's easy. And that's all online. So it's exactly. easy for me to say, oh, I went from here to there. And part of the reason I still do it manually is I get lost. You know, I'm, I've been in Atlanta four years and I still get lost. So, you know, that I, you know, I could probably claim, you know, getting back miles while I'm lost, but I, you know, no, I'm not going to do that. Or I might run extra errands that are personal. So what I have done, and, and this was what my accountant said was okay for me to do. I just put into MapQuest from, you know, destination to, to destination. And it would tell me, you know, 10.3 miles going the most direct route. And then that's what I use when I keep track. Oh yeah. You can do that as well. You can retroactively go back and mm-hmm. I keep a detailed calendar too. And most people do, and you can just simply go through your calendar and yeah. go, well, oh, yeah. I went here, I went there and you can track your mileage that way. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, and, and now the nice thing with an app is, you know, it does it as you're doing it. Exactly. You know, as, as you mentioned, I have to go back and I have to recompute it. Exactly. Um, you know, and, and which, you know, then it comes down to, is that a good use of my time? Probably not. Um, but, but yeah, it's something that, you know, really folks, we're talking the potential for a very large amount back. So it is definitely worth keeping track of. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So what are some other things that business owners miss or don't even know that they can be uh, deducting? You know, the big thing that uh, business owners don't deduct is health insurance. That's something, you know, for instance, you know, if you're self-employed, you know, you, uh, you've got to pay for health insurance most times and they don't deduct mm-hmm. their own health insurance. Now I've got to be very careful in this that, um, you know, uh, small businesses, you've got to be very careful. If you could be covered by a plan by one of your spouses and you just choose not to be part of that plan, you can't deduct your health insurance. Ah, but, okay. um, you know, if you, if you are, you know, self-employed and there is no other option, then, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you can deduct your health insurance. There's all kinds of things that, that people miss. You know, we talked about the mileage deduction. Um, there's also actual expenses that you can take. So, um, what you should do is keep track of both and then give both to your accountant and they'll, right. cause you can take, you know, whichever is higher. So, um, but yeah, those are just little things and, and all of those are just retraining what you do. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just simply, you know, like I was talking about a, an app, it was just, you know, very simple for me to just set that every time I went somewhere, um, to drive and, you know, do it. But, um, it's just simply retraining yourself on, right. on things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the cool thing is you've got a lot of resources on your website. So let's talk about some of the, the things that, that you can provide, both for free and for fee. Yeah. So, so first, how do they find you online? Oh, well, very simply, uh, you know, we have a really good, um, you know, uh, SEO done. So you can simply, you know, Google my name, Craig Smalley, or you can go to CWSEAPA.com and on there, we have resource after resource. We have um, a blog where, you know, probably I write so much, you know, you're probably, you know, any question that you have is probably answered in that blog somewhere. There's resources like if you're a real estate agent, there's a, um, you know, a thing where you can, you know, write your deductions and things like that. There's, um, you know, all different uh, kinds of forms on there, you know, for different businesses and things like that, that you can, uh, you know, download. So all of that is free. Um, You know, if you wanted a consultation, that's free as well. Um, You know, and then, you know, what we charge just depends on what we're doing for you. There is no, um, you know, so, and and we let you know that up front, you know, this is how much we're going to charge you. Yeah. Before we do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and again, folks, you know, I can't emphasize this enough. I've been in business for, you know, close to 15 years and hiring the professionals to do it saves so much time and so much effort. And, and I'm not a person who wants to research all of this. Now, I know that there are people who they take great delight in doing all of this, but, you know, still think about really having a professional do it for you, because unless that is your business, 
you're not going to know everything. Tax code changes. It seems like, you know, it's kind of like Facebook. It changes hourly. You know, sometimes tax codes change. They change by state. You know, all of these things. And unless it's what you do for a living, you're not going to keep track. Exactly. And, you know, it was funny. You know, we were talking earlier about how I'm a morning person. So let me explain my Uh morning. I'm up by... 435 o'clock about an hour into the time that I've woken up my computer is cracked my uh, software my research software has sent me all of the tax uh, updates for the day and this happens daily every day and I spend the first hour or two hours of my day looking at what's changed and that's how much mm-hmm. it changes it, it's so um, you know you can do your own research you can go to Google and you know that's what that's you know when I'm doing research I I go to Google and I'll type something in but you know, mm-hmm. the Internet is full of, you know, um, you know, varying advice, you know, so mm-hmm. and everything is particular to you. So we don't give blanket advice to clients. Right. Everything is tailored to you because mm-hmm. you're different than this business and the other business. And, you know, so mm-hmm. um, it, it's just a little bit different. So you've, you've got to be very careful. Right. Well, and, you know, it's it's we all laugh at the saying that, you know, well, it's it was on the Internet, so it must be true. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, you but know, if you go you to know, the internet, you will you, you will see that um, there are people that say you don't have to pay taxes at all. You know that you can right. untax yourself for nine hundred dollars, and please, please don't pay the nine hundred dollars, and please, no, no, please no. don't file a tax return with a zero and sign it in protest. That's that's yeah. fraud, punishable mm-hmm. by three years in prison. Please don't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 you know. It's it's important to get all the deductions that you can. You know, it's exactly. it's funny. It's our money. We want to keep our money, but you know, you have to do it the right way. Exactly, exactly. That is, yeah. You you've got to, you know, it's it, it'll cost you a little bit of money to have a professional mm-hmm. do it. But you know, I always tell clients, and, and I'm very honest with them. You know, if I if my fee is going to be more than what you're saving in taxes, then I'll tell you, you can do this yourself. Because I'm oh. not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna collect a fee to collect a fee. You know. So it's, right. if it's if I look at something, I'll say, and, and I've told clients that before. Why don't you go, you know, do this yourself? Because I'm mm-hmm. not going to save you any money doing it. So yeah, it's you know, you just have to find somebody that'll do that for you. That'll be honest mm-hmm. with you. Right. You know, and and again, you should be able to uh, talk to them to find out in advance. Here's what's what it's going to cost because they should be able to ask you enough basic questions so that they know, hey, this is going to take us two hours to do. Exactly. Or, you know, oh, my gosh, you're really complicated. So this is going to take a lot longer. Um, When we moved, we it was a corporate relocation. And it was extremely complicated. Yes. And, you know, and, and so, yes, our taxes that year, and actually it, it carried over into another year, it was very complicated. And and so it did cost more those years, but it was well worth it to make sure that everything was done properly. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it, it's usually well worth the money when you spend, uh, spend the money to have somebody do your taxes. It's well worth mm-hmm. the money, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and there are certainly a lot of people out there who gamble and think, well, I won't get caught. You know, folks, don't do that, no, especially if it if it could cost you your house, if you could go to jail. I mean, all those various things. Just do it the right way. Yeah. So nobody's going to put you in prison for not paying your taxes. That's a fallacy. You're never going to go to prison for that unless. It's... <gasps> but that's what Alan Thick said. Yeah. Well, unless unless it's payroll taxes, you're not going to go ah. to prison. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. They'll take everything that you own, but they won't uh, put you in prison. But if you file a fraudulent tax return. Um, that's punishment. That's criminal at that point. So mm-hmm. yeah, be very careful. Right. And you know, again, we were talking about identity theft. You know, if you're having somebody, an, an, an accountant, your CPA, whoever, file it as an e version, as opposed to you put it in an envelope and lick the envelope and all that, you know, all that good stuff. It is much safer to have it done that way. Exactly. Or even if you do it yourself to e file. Yeah, and any paid preparer that prepares over five returns are required to e file. So. Right. Yeah. So yeah, an e-file is a lot quicker. It's. I mean, mm-hmm. we've been e-filing now for 20 years. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. a lot simpler. Right. Right. And you know, again, if you're doing it yourself, just make sure that you're using a reputable piece of software. You know, and and we're not promoting anybody, but you know, make sure that that you've got the the one. You know, you're not. You didn't just find one on the internet that's you know a little cheaper. Eh. You know, if it's not a you know one that is is a reputable firm that is going to make sure that that your information is safe and secure then, you know, buyer beware. Absolutely. I agree. Great. Well, Craig, we've got about a minute left. So, you know, is there any other advice aside from go look at your website because there's lots of good resources there? What, you know, what else would you say to a, a small business owner? 
You know, when you're out there hiring an accountant, um, you know, it's you want to interview at least two or three or maybe even four. You want to be comfortable with that person. So um, just because you went to one person doesn't mean that's the person that should do it. So interview a few. And I know that takes a little bit of time, but, um, you know, if you find a good accountant, a good attorney, a good mechanic, you're always going to go to them. So right. be very, very, you know, and you want to make sure they say if you're going there for a tax return, that they specialize in taxation. Not every accountant does. You want to make sure that they have all these years of experience. You also want to make sure that they are accessible and you can reach them. You want to, you know, you, you want to make sure that you guys have a good vibe and things like that. So go interview mm -hmm. a few of them because once you're with an accountant, you know, you're probably going to be with them for a long period of time right, and right. you want to be comfortable. I'm actually Facebook friends with my accountant. And so I see a little bit, and I mean, you know, I understand that that's not for everybody, but I get to know her a little bit more on a exactly. personal level by doing that. Exactly. I have tons of clients that are Facebook friends of mine. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because we're human and, you know, and how we interact and things like that. And and that's great that you do that because that means you're comfortable with your accountant and your accountant's comfortable with you. Right. So, right. yeah, that's perfect. So that's a great relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's the relationship you want with your accountant. Right. Well, Craig, again, tell people where they find you online. It's at cwseapa.com and also taxcrisiscenter.com. Those are our two websites. Perfect, perfect. Well, you know, we didn't even cover all the topics I wanted to cover. So, you know, and, and I'm thinking maybe this is something that we do every year, maybe even twice a year, because like we said, laws change and all these various things. And and I have so many people who are small business owners who are our listeners. And I think this is a great resource that we can provide. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad that, uh, that that everything went well. I mean, this was this was a lot of fun. Thanks. And, you know, my eyes didn't cross once and I don't have a headache. So, you know, we, we made this fun. Well, you know, I know that people like coming to us about like they like going to the dentist. So I understand right. that completely. It's a necessary evil, exactly. but one that we have to do. Absolutely. I agree. Yes. Great. Well, I am Deb Creer. I've been having a great time talking with Craig Smalley and everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>